0: Welcome to the Beekeeper's Corner Podcast. August 20th,
1: 2023,
0: episode 227, A Day with Dewey. Hello everyone, welcome into the Beekeeper's Corner Podcast. This is Kevin England coming at you with another episode and, well, this is a special one. We're back from the recent Eastern Apiculture Society conference hosted in Massachusetts. And for this episode, I wanted to play you a recording that we made when we did a live session at EAS in front of an audience. And, well, it was a blast. You never know how a live show is going to go. And as it is with live shows, there's a couple of errant noises and the sound levels are pretty complicated. But I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation we had and the invited guests that we had that afternoon. I opened the show with a quick back and forth with my friend Bob Kloss. We spent a little time catching up with broodminders, Rich Morris, and I'm thrilled to tell you that we were able to have the one and only Dewey Karen join us. At one point in the episode, we have a little fun story from a new friend that we've met along the way, Donna Shay, who we now consider an old friend. And to the end of the episode, we had a little back and forth with the audience that was there to participate. Before I play the recording, I have to take a moment to give credit to Jeff Bird from New Jersey and make a little connection to the title of the episode. Jeff hosted a training course a few years back and had Dewey Caron in to serve as the presenter. I, unfortunately, was out of town that day, but somewhere along the line, I have in my stash the coolest t-shirt around as it has Dewey's face on the front, and it's emblazoned with the words "A Day with Dewey. Now you have a little context to the title of the episode, and I can move on and play you the recording. I hope you enjoy the show, and, you know, I have to say, I truly, graciously appreciate the people who came in to chat with us on that Thursday afternoon at EAS in Massachusetts, and I think you can tell we had a really good time. I started the podcast to kind of do our journey, and we're up to 226 episodes, so today it's 227, and it's been a long road, and you can go back and listen to the uh, former catalog. Uh, Somewhere along the line, I adopted my favorite band, who you heard me sing in karaoke last night. (laughs) Yes! Hugh Lewis in the News. (laughs) That's the opening. I don't have the music, so I can go there Anybody know that little tune?
2: Keep singing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That's tonight. If you're in the dorm, come on down. A little bit of whiskey look in the background, she's already excited.
1: I'll <laughs> bring
0: so, so I am Kevin England. I'm a hobbyist beekeeper in New Jersey. So I'm going to introduce my friend, Bob who has to have a microphone. Come on over here. You can use this one, and I'll talk on that one. So, Batman and Robin, I don't know which one of us is which, but uh, I, I always coach people to have a friend in beekeeping, and Bob is my truest friend in beekeeping. You, you can't imagine the things we get into.
3: He sucks me into
2: these things all the time.
0: I do. He's a master beekeeper. He's retired and said, there's no way I'm going to do this master beekeeper thing. Read my lips, I'm retired. And guess what? See the green tag? I needed somebody to study with. So, let me tell you what we're going to do here and we can go ahead and get started. I'm going to open up. Bob and I are just going to do a couple of quick comments. The typical show format is I open up with a little round table. It's just a bunch of different topics. And then I get into a topic, and I do a local hype report. But when we do live shows like this, we just kind of bounce ideas off. And if I can, I'm going to have a couple guests. And I have a couple guests who are sitting in and amongst, them. I'll call them up and ask them to come chat with us when the time comes. Uh, I'll start out with first, uh, Bob, you and I drove up here today, or this week. And as it is, we've gone to other places. how many of you flew here versus drove? A couple flew. When you drove here, hopefully you talked about beekeeping all the way here. Oh, listen to me, right? There's someone who shall not be named, who, who sent me a text earlier in the week and said, you better record a podcast and release it on Monday so that we can listen to it while we drive to EAS, which is apparently the tradition because... I remember in Delaware, somebody sitting behind me tapped on my back and said, we just drove here from Ohio and we listened to four episodes straight, and we didn't know whether we were going to encounter you, but we could hear your voice, and you're Kevin England, aren't you? Yeah, it was kind of fun. So, you don't know the duress that I had in the week prior. so happy to be here this week because we had a storm come through and blow down 10, 11, 12 trees on the property. One of them was a 100-year oak and there was a bee tree in it. And so I talked about that in the previous episode and thought, well, that's behind me. Until Friday night, storm came through in New Jersey and took the power out and we were without power all weekend. And I'm thinking of he who shall not be named saying you have to get this episode out. I had recorded the episode and I was going downstairs to physically set it up to post it. And the power went out. And the number one thing on my brain the entire time while I was doing this is how am I going to get this thing posted? Well, we got a notification from Xfinity at ten o'clock, and Bob and I were leaving at eleven o'clock to go to Valley Crest Farms to work bees. Before on the, we drove, stopped at Valley Crest, did some treatments, and left from there to come here. At eleven o'clock, Xfinity went on, so I went out in the garage, rolled the. Uh, generator out, plugged it in the house, turned the power on, and posted the podcast, and then closed the computer down, went upstairs, got in the car, and drove here. So, you're welcome, Russell, for that. So, Bob, the thing I want to ask you, if you don't know this, we will deconstruct the conference on the way home. We always record with these microphones what we learned. And we take notes in every session. And I will say to you to start this, holy crap, what a year. <laughs> the presentations this year are astonishingly good. And That's not to say they're not good every year, but this year. So what we do is we look at the schedule and go, we've been to so many conferences. We drive, we'll drive to Albany, New York to go see Randy Oliver or something like that. Last year, we made a list of all the people we've ever seen, and it was like 60-something, and we probably added eight or nine more this year. But this year, we can't figure out what we're going to go see, so we divide and conquer. And then he tells me what he saw, and I tell him what I saw. And So what's the... We love... This is our favorite game. What's the most uh, interesting B-fact you picked up since you were here?
3: Yeah, so I went to uh, a talk on thermodynamics in the hive. It was given by... uh, Hes- What's his first name? Bill Hespeck. Bill Hesbeck. yeah. And the one thing that, he, that I, he said that I thought was really interesting is, we're talking about the winter cluster. And you know how you've got the heater bees over here, and you've got the insulator bees that are on the outside. And what I've always been told and what I always thought was when the bees on the, on the outside get cold, they migrate toward the in, inside, and the, the bees on the inside get too hot, they go to the outside. Bill said, no, no. That's what you think. But really, they move based on humidity, moisture, water. The bees in, in the heater bees get dried out, and so they want to go to the outside. The bees that are on the outside, the insulator bees, are moist, moist and they want to come in and dry out. So, yeah. Anybody ever heard that before? No. Never. Never. No. And
0: it was said that, and, and I've been... I do this program for mentees called Manage Mentoring. I talked about it on the podcast, managementoring.com. One of the things I'm in right now is queen failures in summer. The biology of this is if the queen got mated too early, it didn't have enough materials to last, and it might have done really well from your package, but right now is about the time that it runs out. And we saw the percentages on the slides earlier this week that said 18% of queens will fail. Well, that's about what it is. One out of five of people in our program who have a package call up about this time of year and say, my, my queen's not doing well. On the other side, we always have this conversation. How long does a queen last? What's the longevity of a queen? Everybody has a perception, but we both stare at each other and say, it's two and a half years. It's anywhere between two to three years. And after the third year, you will run into a supremely higher risk of having a problem. What happens when you buy a new that has a second-year queen? When does it run out of gas? Now. So we always get phone calls this time of year. I've been on four mentoring visits for people who their queens ditched for this. And so for me, one of the things they said is, how well is a queen mated has to do with the supersedure. The more drones it mates with, the better the pheromone profile it gives and the more longevity it has. And if a queen is not mated well, that's the queen that the colony picks up to supersede. That was in one of the lessons, and I said, that's... You know, you, you try to under... I drive him nuts when I say, why, but why? You try to understand why, how, how things work, and when you get these things that fill in the gap, you you get really crazy. I was talking with a master beekeeper about something. Is you'll learn the biology over there, and you'll understand how it correlates over here. And so we have all these philosophical talks about the things we pick up. And now ask yourself: Is there anything that was a surprise this week? Probably a lot, right? Hopefully you're taking notes and and making mental locks of all that stuff. So. Uh, anything else you want
3: to bring? Yeah, well, I went. Uh, I saw Paul Kelly today. He was talking about a program that they have at the university, uh, where they're, you know, everybody's trying to breed uh, queens that are bees that are resistant or tolerant to mites, right? So he really proposed a pretty easy way, and I thought I thought it was a great idea. He said basically we're trying to raise what did he call them? L V are low varroa growth mites, low L- 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 varroa growth mites. And it's simple. All you have to do is you sample for mites in the spring, and then you sample for mites in the fall. And the ones that have the lowest growth rate, those are the ones that you breed from. OK, so in other words, say, say you had one that you got a count of 3 3% in the spring, and it was 12% in the fall. The growth rate is four times, right? It grew by four times, and you had another hive that had one in the spring and it grew to two. Well, the growth rate is two times, so you would breed from that one so it 's an easy way that you can evaluate your queens and what basically what he said was in your your normal population that we all have in our hives we 've got some of these traits we've got some of these bees that are able to maintain low varroa growth rates and if you uh, select for them and you test for them that you can actually increase that trait and your bees will be more tolerant or more resistant to the mites so i thought that was a pretty good idea i'm going to try it
0: i want to call up reg from Birdminder. minor you're my first guest would you would you mind come on up and join me in? Bot?
2: Rich, how long have you known each other? I want to say. Uh, it was uh, New Jersey, meet 2016. Yeah.
0: And what what we love about what Rich does is he makes hive monitoring approachable. And he's not the only one, but in my mind, he is the one. It's not difficult to buy the sensors, it's not difficult to read them, to use them, to use your application, to understand what's going in your colony. I've always dreamed of being able to weigh the hive and see how much honey is getting collected and all that stuff. And over the years, Bob and I have used the data from it to teach our new beekeepers, this is when brood rearing stops, this is when it starts, how do we know? It's in the data. Wow. And so, Rich, we've always followed what you're doing, and I wanted to say welcome. You drove here?
2: We drove <coughs> here. Steve and I drove, yeah. It's uh, nice. And it's been, yeah, you know, I love coming to EAS. You know, this is I'm closer than my. Yeah, there you go. Thank this you. is by far the best conference that we go to. Um, and I don't, well, and I do know why. Uh, the Master Beekeeping Program has been really good, and it's interesting coming into a group. We started eight years ago, and uh, hive monitoring wasn't a thing. And so you're going to places, and they say, well, why wouldn't you want to do that? And we came to EAS, and pretty immediately, well, <laughs> the first experience was, while we were still setting up, Bob said, oh, let me show you this thing. <laughs> and the... Uh, the knowledge base, I think that this group has, is just a lot deeper than others. So, so it makes it a pleasure to come here. So we met you,
0: we met you and we know it takes a village of your folks to do this. And you guys, what I'm so impressed about your company, and one of the reasons why I always am, uh, you know, happy to see you, especially here. We get always, well, who's the first one we ran to Bob when we got here? We went <laughs> to just to see what he was up to you're moving in new directions, always constantly evolving. So tell us where you're going with your operation. Well, so in
2: June, we had our uh, first global uh, uh, summit. Thank you, Theo. We're internet-based, and as we started out, uh, we just sort of gathered up these people. And uh, the first time we were all in the same room uh, was June 1st, uh, which was a lot of fun. There's uh, basically 10 of us that are doing this Uh, so Lorenzo came from France Uh, Teo came from Virginia Anya from uh, North Carolina and we all got together and said okay what should next year look like Uh, because we've been doing this 8 years and we are I think pretty good now at collecting data and what we really decided was okay now's the time to start moving towards hive management so working at Having a diverse group like we do, we've got you know sort of all the beateners like are in this room, and then we've got you know the tech stuff. But we know that there's a lot of things that happen basically on the glo- clock. So you know, when you have a swarm, you know all these different clocks are starting. So if we can tell and correlate these things and create this workflow, then we can give advice back to say, oh it's uh, six days after the swarm we know that that's the danger time because maybe they started up some new queen cells you scraped out the ones from the first but you better go back and check and move this Uh, we know that so many days in you should be looking for eggs from the new queen and as backyard people we know that okay that's not too hard to do on a hive but if you have 20 hives that are all doing this slightly out of order we just see that as the next opportunity. So that's our that's our main push for uh, next season. Yeah, now I don't want to put words in your mouth
0: or, or put you in some sort of box, the yes. but <clears throat> the support that you guys give us, one, I've talked about something on the show and got a call or an email that it unsolicited from you guys to help me. So thank you always for the support. But you're in the commercial space, but you really support the hobbyist. You spend a lot of time, and I I have a passion for the hobbyist beekeeper. I love this conference, but sometimes there's a lot of commercial experts that don't really match to the hobbyist, and Loretta from our club has so many of your sensors, and the conversation that I have with her about her interactions with you unsolicited, she has no idea how I know you, just proves to me that it doesn't matter who it is, you, you guys take care of them. And I love the video out there with the mite crawling up on that thing, and your your work there for doing the scans where the, the bees are coming in and you're trying to do the science to, to count how many mites, and it, it just goes to, again to uh, demonstrate how you guys are constantly trying to move the ball forward and we appreciate it, and I hope all of you do too, right, the amount of work. And, I want to say thank you and appreciate you stopping by and well, having a chat with
2: us. Happy this. to do it. Uh, you know, we're just beekeepers and we like this stuff, and we'll keep doing it till we can't. These guys came
0: to New Jersey to one of our meetings and presented a topic too. Uh, they'll do presentations for you, and the stuff yeah. that they can tell you about alderman is really fascinating. So don't don't miss out on that part. Okay. Thank you, coming. Rich. Okay. Appreciate it. Now, I don't want to call up somebody who intimidates me, but I love him to pieces, Mr. Dewey (laughs) Carey. And it's not that Dewey intimidates me like I'm afraid of him. It's that (laughs) I'm just in astonishment of how much Dewey has done in this world. And I say, Dewey, welcome. It's so glad to see you, as always.
4: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: I don't know how you receive these things. Sometimes people are okay with it, and other times they're like, "Get away from it." But I was in the presentation earlier this week about the history of EAS, and there was a little blurb, just one sentence that said, "Dewey Karen has been presenting services to this organization for over fifty years." Is that does that ring true to you?
4: Uh, it is true. Yeah, I have. Uh yeah, I I, I bleed E A S blood. Literally, this week I did bleed. Blood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just can't
0: comprehend that. I've I've known you since I started in on the Master Beekeeper program, and of course, Landy, being a Jersey gal, always talked about you. But where Bob and I excelled was reading your book, and I have to tell you, I don't know if you ever knew this, we walked around for several years while we studied, with talking to each other and saying. What would Dewey do? What would Dewey do? We had WWDD. What would Dewey do? He would look at me and go, come on, Kevin. What would Dewey do? Right? I have to say, we we read your book. Bob's book is, the pages are yellow. Because he's highlighted every one of your wisdom. You and Larry did an amazing job. I,
3: I pretty much, at the end, had the whole book was highlighted. The first time I went through it, you do here, here, and here. Then I went through it a second time, and I've <laughs> highlighted this. And by now, the book is just completely highlighted. It's all yellow. <laughs> Thank you.
4: Thank you, I Appreciate that.
0: And, and do you release the new book not too long ago, the updated one? We did one? a
4: third edition. Yeah. The
0: question I have for you is, I can't... How many years to gather the knowledge and then to support that? It's got to be a monumental task.
4: If I I started today, it would be certainly. But it started a number of years ago, and students are very much in the picture. It started, believe it or not, as Mimeograph. Remember Mimeograph machine? Handhelds for the students. And I kept getting feedback and, and somehow it grew. There became the first edition was black white anyone have the the photos that are black and white first edition yeah. we then yeah uh, a number of you have all three editions i know but this last edition we added the uh, sections that we were a little bit less familiar with but we went through every page um, and so if i had to start that all over again yes it's it's too much of a task um, it's really designed for university students and I think it's universal students because of the number of people that have used it for master beekeeper programs and and, and old students like Bob that still does highlighting. <laughs> 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 when you said it was yellow, I was wondering had uh, he, he left it <laughs>
0: off. I needed to give him. No, a it's neon yellow, like the, yeah, the yeah, color yeah. of his okay. new master beekeeper uh, tag. Thank you yeah. for that and of course we know you through the master Peeper program and the one thing I, I want to say to you personally is everyone looks at you and and is so appreciative of the time that you spent to answer the questions to counsel us to tell us it's going to be okay <laughs> right because <laughs> if you've ever taken the test process it is nerve-wracking and, and he's like a rock of gibraltar and i i don't know if that just comes from sage wisdom or that's your your makeup, but do you know how much force you exert in that matter? <laughs> uh,
4: I, I know the book is, is is you know used by here and a lot of the master beekeeper programs, and for that I'm, I am deeply deeply honored. Um, I guess no, I guess I don't. I I, I sometimes I I don't understand. Uh, I'll meet people at EAS that I haven't seen for several EAS's. And they remember me and and I remember some of the, the names and some of the faces.
3: EAS is a hoot. Uh,
4: I came back from a sabbatic in Tucson, Arizona to do the first EAS with Roger Morse, the uh, first master beekeeper program from New York State with Roger Morse in 1978. And... Uh, We brought it down to EAS, and it has prospered.
0: I was in grade school.
4: You were in grade school. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the funny thing is, is this.
0: I've come to know you. There are so many layers to you. A lot of people know you, and you're you're, uh, part of the the EAS backstory, but Bolivia, right? Right.
4: Right. I go to Bolivia. I have done a lot of development projects with Bolivia. I started first in Panama. It was not 78, right? It was 68. I'm sorry. Missed it by 10.
0: Did did you know that he's a a person who travels south to Bolivia and Panama and does all this work? How many years have you been engaged down there?
4: So, boy, it started with my my service to the University of Maryland. University of Maryland, the sun never sets on the University of Maryland teaching effort because they do it around the world. So, um, working with people in different cultures started all the way back then and always had a soft spot. Sometimes when we worked with our farmers, for example, in Maryland and Delaware, it was the same old, same old. They they'd heard it all and they were slow to make adaptations. Um, When you have a chance to go overseas and work with a group, Eager young kids, uh, young families uh, wanting to learn bees and beekeeping, and we'll put it immediately into practice and make money at it to do something with it. It is so, so satisfying. So I I got a taste for it and liked it uh, right from the get-go almost.
0: So you were East Coast guy. I was East Coast guy. Maryland, Delaware. Cornell. Cornell. Now we're.
4: Started in Vermont. When you got you got on a plane to come here, where'd you come from? So I came from Oregon. Um, The Oregon State University um, had—I'm not sure if it's great wisdom or or, or great folly—they hired an 80-year-old this year. So I'm now back on the university staff, not full-time, but uh, working with our Oregon Master Beekeeper Program. I actually worked with a number across the country, and that's that's so satisfying. We have seen such a such an improvement in EAS, and such an improvement in the state of Oregon with the master beekeeper program. I can't speak enough for what master beekeeper programs do to elevate all of us, and all of us at our meetings, not just the individuals that are going through the program. You talked about doing all the study and and, and how you found satisfaction with doing some of it, but uh, many, many have that very same story. So, uh, so I. I do not begrudge my time at all that I spend to anyone that's in any master I do thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be when I grow up and, and, uh, <laughs> and I can't do this anymore, but uh, right now I'm enjoying
0: it immensely. Okay. As an educator, I'm constantly referring people to the Honey Bee Health Coalition. Dewey, do, do you have anything to do with
4: the Honey Bee Health Coalition? Yeah, I have a part of that, too. (laughs) (laughs) And so I represent WAS uh, as uh, one of our beekeeper organizations. There's about 50 different types of groups that brings everyone to the table, from the pesticide to the, to the, the people that use our products at the other end. Of course, the bee people as well. Uh, when we started that uh, one of our first efforts was to we thought we beekeepers needed unbiased information about particularly about the struggles with varroa mites and so I can very proudly say that uh, I helped to I, I basically wrote the first tools for varroa management and it's now in its eighth revision We continually to try to update
3: you know how so many
4: things that we do at universities and our publications. It's one and done. It just stays there. Whatever was done is not uh, revised. We've been proudly being able to, to make those revisions and still make it uh, relative. I was talking with Hannah on the way here from Texas and she said, uh, she's a Texas Avery Inspector. She said, you know, I, uh, I, we refer people all the time to the grow. So it's, it has had an impact. So I hope some of you are familiar with it and it's had uh, perhaps an impact in your lives as well. Wait, so let me DLP check. how many are
0: familiar? Of course, oh, do we? <laughs> oh, Don't underestimate oh, Of course.
4: The world
0: uh, beekeeping community, I'm sure, my, appreciates my very that work.
4: English sim- syntax, I apologize to all of you.
0: <laughs> Did you know? Okay. So you and I were, I'm a stand-in, you're an institution. We're going to the Northern Lights Conference in September and presenting,
4: um, what else do you have going on this summer? <laughs> so, uh, so I moved to the West Coast to be nearer my grandkids and they've grown up so I'm very back, very active still with these. But one of the things I did when I went there, WAS, which was helped establish by EAS, uh, was struggling a bit so I organized a meeting in Oregon. And I went in 2009 and, and in 2010, I guess that says a little bit about me. Uh, I organized a WAS meeting in the state of Oregon. This year, it happens to be a little bit further. It's uh, um, in Calgary in Canada. Um, As with EAS, we are cross-border, and so we get people from uh, many, many of the western states. uh, Being from um, Calgary and relying on local people, we have this theme. Here, they have this beautiful theme of the past, present, and future there. Um, is Northern light, so we're going to have an opportunity to hear how some people struggle a bit more as we go north and how they benefit from being a bit north and away from some of the things that we struggle with a bit south.
0: It, It impresses me the fact that I try to get through my connections out to various regions of the United States. I've never been to like Arizona and Texas to talk to beekeepers. This is one of my first forays into Canada, but um, Dewey, you you have connections all over the United States and, dare I say, the world, because I know you've been other places, and the fact that we have you here (laughs) and have the opportunity, I I can only say from the bottom of my heart, and I'm sure everybody here, uh, the gratitude and appreciation we have for you continue to support us. Um, Before I let you go, I I just want to say personally for me and Bob and others, the, the work that you did got us to where we are today, and we hope we do you proud at what we continue to do and say thank you so much, and I hope that as people hear this in future times and come to, to know you, they know how much you do. I think it's not evident, and um, we're so much better for it, so thank you for the, for the time to come, even here, and see us and talk
4: to us. I appreciate it. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you, Bob. Thank you,
0: very much. Thank you all. I'm going to do something that's now fun, which is just I I I want to bring Donna up,
1: and Donna is
0: Donna's a regular Joe, and and I'll explain what I mean by that, but. I'm a hobby beekeeper from New Jersey. And the principle of this podcast is two beekeepers meet at a bar and talk beekeeping. That's what, when I don't have a guest on, I'm talking to you. Hopefully you're having an adult beverage or whatever it is that you do, and I'm talking to you and having a conversation. Well, last year, Donna Shea, Was last year your first EAS?
1: Last year was my first EAS.
0: First EAS. Okay, and let me tell you how we met Donna, which is why I picked her. Last year we went to Kutuk's. I think that's how you say it. It was the... Cutings. Okay, thank you. Cutings. It was the outing where you go visit an apiary. And we're sitting in this pole barn style building, and everybody's kind of hanging out. And I looked back in the corner, like you guys are back there, I see you back there. And there's Donna sitting there all by herself, looking like a lost puppy. And I said to Bob, I'm going to go get her. I don't know what she's doing back there, but nobody should have to sit alone. So I walked back to Donna, and I said, what are you doing? I said, why don't you come join us? We're about to have, you know, come, come meet us and come whenever, because, you know, that's the way it should be. Best decision I ever made in my entire life. Because <laughs> she's a yeah. this this person is a total blast. I'm telling you, no filter, no. and whatever. So let's let's talk about a couple things, okay. my dear Donna. Which
1: would you like to talk
0: about? Well, the first thing is, last year was your first EAS, and what did you decide to do this year?
1: Take my master beekeeper. Take yes. your
0: master beekeeper. How long have you been a beekeeper?
1: Six years. Six years. Yes. And So.
0: You have a um, story to tell?
1: Well, there's two stories I could tell. Okay, go, go with the first one. So the first one is, but you don't know this one because I've never told this story to any of the beekeepers. So when I was about nine, um, my dad was a beekeeper, and I wanted to help out with the bees. I'm a tomboy. So I said, hey, Daddy, let me go out and get the bees with you. Well, back in the dark ages, they didn't have children's veils and stuff like that. And back in the dark ages, just like now, I had long hair. Daddy finally said, yes, you can come out with me and put a big veil on me and put on my big coat and all that kind of stuff in Alabama and all places, wrapped it up and around and everything, got out to the bees, and they were mean as the dickens. Very quickly found the open hole in my veil, and I went screaming through the yard, pulling the veil off, pulling everything off, coats going everywhere, shoes going everywhere, found the hose. Put it in my hair, and I went up and stung like six or eight times. True story, I never thought I would go into another hive again. Fast forward to five years ago, it was actually six years ago, my husband comes home and says, I got a guy at work that wants to slew his bees. Do you want to do beekeeping again? I went, yeah, but I'm going like, to have to read the book first. <laughs> Two days later, beekeeping comes in. I read the book, and I'm going, hey, I can do this. Christmas rolls around, everything beekeeping. That's all I got for Christmas that year. I was happy as a pig in mud. Yes, I've got a hobby. I didn't know how expensive it was, though. So. <laughs> yeah. I took a class at um, Prince William Regional Beekeepers Association, and I have killed so many bees between then and now, but I have been, I think I'm pretty successful now in beekeeping. So I finally made it. I have, so I got just about 250 pounds of honey this year. Last year, I barely got 36. So,
0: I, I'm going back to kiddos when you walked up and said I said how did you get here she said what do you mean how did you get here you didn't come on the bus because we came on the bus she was like I gotta ride with some guy
5: <laughs>
0: who was the guy
5: it was never, she didn't know who he was <laughs> it, I didn't
0: <laughs> you know he was do you remember this do you to me? Yeah, it was, <laughs> she goes, I remember this guy, his name was Dewey. <laughs> I thought that was funny, I was like, okay, come on, little birdie, we're going to take <laughs> you under our And we've been showing her around and doing whatever, and this is what I love about it, when she came back this year, she got friends all over the place, right? I do, I do, it's
1: wonderful.
0: We, we introduced her to a bunch of people, and this is what I love about EAS, right? Yeah.
1: She's
0: I was singing karaoke last night. It was her
1: fault. It was?
0: Oh, yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> See, that's that's her. It, oh, yeah. Why was it your fault?
1: Um, because I brought two different types of tequila, two different types of wine, some um, uh, honey, wild turkey, red solo cups. Wild turkey. Wild turkey.
0: Yeah, it was a wild turkey that did it. It was wild turkey that
1: did it. There's only about this much left in the box.
0: Somebody gives me wild turkey, I do karaoke.
1: You <laughs> did do care last
0: month. A bunch of us did care. Well, I did too. So you took your master beekeeper test, and, yes. and coming back to seriousness, yes. okay. tell me what you did to prepare. Just to tell everybody kind of what that experience is. And by the way, it's Thursday. Yes. You, you get your results in the morning. so yes. You you have the typical Donna response to this is like I failed everything. Did you fail everything? I failed everything.
1: Yeah. Like Crash and burned <laughs> Crash on and burn. inspection. No Cuss the inspection. the
0: person run. after her, she cussed the person as she was walking off the field for her field exam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's I'm myself. I'm not joking. She, no. <laughs> so, but, but yet yeah, it's, you'll be back next year. I will be back next year. No matter what year. happens. No matter what happens. You I'll might I'll... have the, the tag or you might not.
1: I won't have the tag. <laughs> I read Dewey Karen's <laughs> book and it's a textbook. I'm a CD student. Growing up, I didn't textbooks, but I read Dewey Karen's book. Yeah. It was the first textbook that I read from cover to cover, and I learned something from it. Can you believe it? You actually read a textbook, I learned something from it. I told my kids this, and they go, Yeah, Mom, both are still in school. And they go, Yeah, Mom, that's kind of what textbooks are for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those nuts don't fall from far from this tree.
0: But what I know is, you, maybe I have this wrong, weren't you in the Maryland team? The I was Maryland Buc- yes. so the Maryland group has adopted her and, and others from all over the place to be in this study group, and you've been part of that community, and so you've gotten to know a lot of people. I have. And, and what I'm most proud of is we invited you over, and then you took it from there. And and I have to say, That's I'm true. so happy to see you this year. We're going to <laughs> consider you a friend as we see you around, and I hope anybody is anybody a first timer. Ah, cool. Okay, Welcome. come see us tonight. <laughs> so the funny thing is, and I'm going to tell you, one of the most coveted things at EAS is to leave with a Yahtzee ribbon. You stay in the dorm, not in the hotel, because we play Yahtzee till 2 in the morning, and if you get a Yahtzee, you get a ribbon that says Yahtzee on it. And if you walk around here, you'll see some people with the coveted Yahtzee ribbon. So if you want one, I think the Yahtzee, it was here last night in the hotel, but tonight a little birdie has told me that it will be over at the dorms. So we're in building A, I think. What's up? Yes.
3: The purple ribbon means you got a second Yahtzee. What did you say to me
0: this morning when I saw you? Was it you that said, I can get my Yahtzee ribbon last night? I've been time. trying to get a Yahtzee ribbon <laughs> for three
5: years. <laughs> I got yeah. All right. Thanks.
0: Kevin. So, Donna, thanks. And uh, I just want to come back to Bob and uh, talk about a couple. Last last uh, roundtable to talk about. Bob and I are gadget guys. We host a training that we do where we go all over the place. We've done it here at EAS once. And we call ourselves uh, the Gadget Garage because we have all the things. And if you have an idea, we will try it. And I'm also a person from the podcast that does not talk about things that I don't know. And so this is in the everybody see these? That's my
1: friend.
0: That's your friend. Cool. Yes, it's the one with the, yes, yeah, the, the, the man. Like, <laughs>
1: so
0: not only problem. did I get a free hive tool, but watch this. How cool is that? Right? So listen, when you go out and The summertime, and it's so hot, and you dread putting on a bee suit, and maybe you're going to be light in the bees. What happens? A a responsible
3: a a responsible beekeeper always wears a veil. Always
0: wears a veil. So you go with a veil, and then they sting your arms and whatever. and We don't use gloves, so I'm thinking thinking to myself, myself. how many know Lady Simone? If you've ever seen the pictures of Landy, she wears the veil. And the chest vest thing that comes down and covers her like a shirt. It's really cool. And I have one of those. But dang it, they don't sting you on the arms. So I thought, this thing's really cool. So coming to an episode near you will be whatever I think of this from this summer. And I I really like these. And I wasn't looking for them. I didn't know I needed them in my life until we went in there. And every year I come and look for... Is there something that I can try? And I have to say, we have a good track record, right? A lot of the things... I haven't tried the cage thing we got last year where you sequester the queen. But I will give Jovath uh, some props. One of the things we were talking about is the new work that came out from Zachary Lamas. And what I love, and this is the community of the podcast, I put an idea out. If the drones are harboring all the mites, that's what the evidence told us, because it goes in the cell and then the drone comes out. We are talking about, well, maybe we should just call the drones. If you call the drones, where do the mites go? They have nothing left but the workers. So maybe we ought to let the drones come out and let them take one for the team. And then when we're done with due course, what happens? They get eliminated from the colony anyway, right? So Bob, should we get rid of them?
3: Yes, absolutely.
0: So how do we do it? We put them in the cage. (laughs) (laughs) Right? The cage. So Bob wanted me to buy this cage to sequester the queen for brood breaks. And I said to him, I have an idea. We'll put it in the cage. We'll let the bees come out inside the cage and they'll be riding around. Arbor in the mites, and then when we're done, what's the other thing that Zachary Lamas was doing? He was picking the drones off the frame, hand picking them off. Well, they'll all be inside the cage, they can't get out. So you could take the cage to the side, and you can sample the piece right out of it. When you set it down, all the workers can get out, but you'll have nothing but drones. And then you have, so they need to come up with the protocol for how many mites on drones. Maybe it's not the same as workers. So I put this out and I got five responses this week of like, that's not going to work or maybe you should consider this, which I don't find offensive. This is citizen science and we all get to work through it. And Joe Beth sitting here stopped me this morning and came up with another idea. Yeah, go ahead. So Joe Beth, tell us your idea. This is listener feedback.
5: Okay, so I guess I have an idea of a less labor-intensive way for us and less uh, minimally disruptive for the bees is if you take that queen cage, a device like it, and stick it in the front, the entrance of the hive. So this way with a hole so that they can enter it. And then everyone leaving the hive to forage or the drones going on their mating flights or to go to the drone congregation area, they'll get trapped in this cage that has the grid-like structure of a queen excluder. So then all the worker bees can fly out and go do their foraging. And the drones will just be trapped in this sad little cage sitting there. And then if you can drop like a guillotine closure and trap the drones in, then take it away, let the remaining worker bees fly out, and then just take this entire cage and drop it in a bucket of soapy water, then doing a mite check in the meantime. So you're disposing of the drones and mites and doing a mite check and
0: not disrupting the colony. And that's, that's, yeah. Okay, give her a round of
1: applause. That's so smart. <laughs> I wish I was
0: that smart. So the funny thing is, is Bob and I knew uh, our former president at Northwest, I like the shirt, it's cool, right? Um, our former president, Jim Swalls, showed us this device that he has that he found at a flea market. He came across this thing, he had no idea what it was. And maybe I can turn to Dewey and ask him if he knows who made this thing. Um, it's from the 50s. His wife goes and buys things at estate sales or whatever. And he saw this thing and he said, this has got to do something to do with beekeeping. And we were like, in Dewey's lap exam, staring at this thing going, what could it be? I'm going to fail the master beekeeper test. And we finally figured it out and I'll describe it and maybe you can tell us what it is. It's a box, it looks a little bit like a pollen collector that goes up to the front entrance and across the front it has a queen screen, same grid. And our supposition is that this thing was to put on the front during swarming season and if the queen was trying to come out, she would get collected in this box at the front, she would not be able to leave and then if you wanted to do an artificial swarm, lower the guillotine and walk it over and put it in a hive, and you would have um, ready-made swarm with the queen. You didn't have to go find the queen in the colony. Have you ever seen one of these yeah. things? So what was it? Did it have a sense of who made it, or was it in the bee catalogs?
4: Well, I don't know. Was it, I don't know where I did find it. We had, a, we had a room at Cornell that had lots of very unique things. I think
0: that's where I found Yeah. So I've never seen another one. In fact, we ought to go take pictures and see if somebody could manufacture one. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if that's exactly what you're talking to, but I have a
1: thing called a swarm bandit, which somebody gave me a couple of years ago at
0: EAS. A swarm bandit. And it sounds like exactly the same thing. Now over here, is it manly man laying smooth Bond?
1: And it was not a... No, so one of them. It was, it was sold for a year, I think, by Brushy
0: Mountain, about four Ah Mountain. Brushy Mountain. I love Brushy Mountain. I think if
1: you Google Swarm Band and see if it's the
0: same thing. Okay, well somewhere we'll now, Joe Beth, since you you have the uh, gauntlet here, we will we'll go figure that out and see you know. We're just Hunt the idea, right? And these are yeah. everyday beekeepers thinking about how can we make our life better and that's part of what this is about. So she has a question. I, I just had a comment. I I just there's there was a guy back in the day called uh I think Henry Alley and he had a drone trap. I read about like you know, like the, the Henry Alley Alley drone <laughs> trap, she just said. Okay. So another lead, she's writing it down. She's my secretary. (laughs) There, He's got a picture of something. That's not it, but close. Okay, so anyway, look, we're going to do our homework, and maybe we can solve this mystery and come up with ideas, right? But if you haven't heard of Zachary Lamas' work, I, I recorded an episode a couple weeks ago, and the premise of it is, it's the perfect storm, because you rear drones all year long, and the mites are in the drones, they come out on the drones, and eventually the drones go away, and there's no place for the mites to go but on the workers, because they're the only thing left. This drone mix is in the equation, so we've got to get this figured out. So look, I know I'm standing between you guys and dinner. I want to say thanks to everybody who hung out. This is kind of what it's like. Every episode is just whatever we think of. And I have to say, I haven't had a chance to talk to you much, Bob, but we really enjoyed it. So Bob, thanks for the partnership and friendship. And listen, because we'll release this when we get home. And we'll also, like I said, debrief on every session we've been in And somewhere along the next number of episodes, you'll hear what we thought about it. And then what I always challenge listeners is, if you were here, and I know a lot of you are, uh, tell us what you picked up. Maybe you went to a session, we didn't go, or maybe you have a different read on something. And and I just love the camaraderie and communication. And I have people who, there's somebody I interviewed today that's a treatment-free beekeeper, and she said, This is a teaser for a future episode. She does sugar. Powdered sugar as a treatment. Has anybody ever done those? Yeah, but but, but we don't do them anymore. Why? Because Jennifer Berry said that they're not effective. And I'm not picking on Jennifer. I love her to pieces. But this person said been successful so I wanted to hear the story and that's going to come out in a future episode so um, hopefully you'll, you'll get something out of that I really enjoyed the conversation and I thought what she said was very interesting so with that like our beloved bees when beekeepers go together we can accomplish great things that's how I end every episode and I want to say thank you for hanging out tonight and uh, being a part of this and you know please come Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you're interested and otherwise have a good dinner enjoy the rest of the show and
1: thank you so much for coming in